You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius podcast. If you have your Bibles, look with me to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. This morning we're concluding the Encountered by Jesus series as we look at one last encounter that Jesus had with an upstanding man who was searching for real answers to what I believe is the most significant question in life. And we're going to discover it would appear that to everyone who knew him that, it, that he had arrived, like he had everything that anyone could want. But something was missing. Something was missing in this man's life. It was his search for what was missing that brought him to this life-altering, life-transforming encounter with Jesus. And we're going to get to his story in in a moment. But before we do, I I want us to interact a little bit. And when I say interact, that means we're going to talk. Because most of the time I do all of the talking. But this morning, I, I want to hear from you. So let's interact for a moment as to how does our culture define success today? Not just how God defines success, because I think that's really different. But thinking about the culture that we live in, the world we live in, how would you say our culture defines success today? Money, I heard that. Wealth. I'm sorry? Possessions. What we've gathered. Like what's your net worth? What's your bottom line? Your title, so the title that you hold as you move up the ladder, um, what position you might come to, if you have the corner office, right, uh, have the title, the position. Someone else said what? Followers? Followers? Yeah, how many likes do you have? Oh, how many likes do you have on? <laughs> yeah, social media, how many likes do you have? That's the big bragging rights today, right? Like, I have a million followers. Wow. How about the home you live in? The home you live in? The car you drive. The car you drive. So those are are statements of status. Uh, Just yesterday, I was driving my old Dodge pickup truck, and I pulled up behind a Maserati, and I thought, I bet that car is worth more than my truck. (laughs) I'm not going to hit that car. All of, these are, all of these are ways that our culture today would define success. And, and as you think about all the things we just said, success by our culture today is, is defined by the temporary stuff, the stuff that's here today and gone tomorrow. It only addresses the, this present reality. But what about eternity? What about eternity? You know, you'll spend... You'll spend um, Far more time on the other side of eternity than you do here. What we, what we must know is that this life is not all there is. You know, you, you may live to be 70 or 80 or, or 90 years, maybe 100 years, maybe you'll hit 100 years, but get this, eternity's forever. You know, life on earth, life on earth is really, if, if you can think of it like this, life on earth is really the dress rehearsal before the real production. Right? It's like the warm, warm up lap before the, the race begins. It's the tryout for your life in eternity. This life, friends, is, is preparation for the next. And it's so critical. It's so critical that you understand that this morning. At most, you'll live a hundred years on this earth, but you'll spend forever, forever in eternity. Your time on earth, as Sir Thomas Brown had said, is a small parenthesis in eternity. What you were made to last forever. The key question this morning is, is where will you spend your forever? 
The answer to that question hinges on how you respond to Jesus Christ. You know, if you, if you only live for the here and now, and if you only live for success as defined by our culture today, then there's going to come a day in your life when you are wrecked with disappointment. And that disappointment, friends, will last for all eternity. I, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus from Mark chapter 8, verse 36. This is what Jesus said. He says, what good is it for a man or a woman to gain the whole world but forfeit their own soul? What good is it to have all of this stuff? That's what Jesus is saying. That our world's chasing after what good is it? What, a, what good is it if you have all of that, yet you, you forfeit your own soul. And then Psalm 49, verse 16. Interesting what the psalmist wrote. Listen to these words. He says, Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor, his success will not descend with him. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beast that perished. So because we're spiritual beings... Having a temporary physical experience, the most important decision that each of us have to make is who will Jesus be in our life? Bottom line. Most important decision. More than religion, we need a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus. And we're going to see this as we look at this encounter that Jesus had with a very religious man who was lost. Important that we see that in this story. Very religious, but he was lost. He thought he was in a good place, but the reality for Nicodemus is that he had religion, but he didn't have relationship. He was a good man, but he was not a saved man. There's a difference between being a good man and a saved man. It's possible possible to imitate Christian behavior with religious talk, activities, and church attendance, yet never have a salvation encounter with Jesus. It's possible to be a good man or a good woman, who does good things, like acts of charity, serving others, being a good citizen, yet not have a saving relationship with Jesus. Then there's a big difference, a big difference between religion and relationship. Relationship with Jesus. Listen to some of these differences. Religion is about rituals and checking off the boxes. Relationship is all about doing life with Jesus. Religion is all about your performance. Relationship with Jesus is all about grace, His grace to us. Religion is about, it's about what you can do. Relationship with Jesus is all about what He's done for you. Religion can make you feel good about yourself. Relationship with Jesus changes who you are and how you live. Friends, Jesus has not called us simply to commit to a lifestyle of religious behaviors. He's called us into a personal, life-changing relationship with Him. Like Nicodemus in this encounter that we're going to read about this morning, we have a choice, and here's the choice. It's religion or relationship. And the choice is critical. It's of utmost importance because it will not only shape the life you're presently living, but it will shape your eternity. So just as Nicodemus was wrestling with with his choice, so each of us, need to wrestle with this choice. Will we settle for religion that leaves us empty and searching, or will we choose the life that Jesus offers? That's the question. It's a choice that's before us. So let's read about this encounter. If you have your Bibles, John 3, I want to begin with with verse 1. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was, notice he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. 
He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, notice how Jesus goes right to the issue of the heart. Jesus skirts all of that, and he, he goes right to the heart. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now, this challenges Nicodemus in his religious thought. Verse 4, he says, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So under the cover of night, there's this religious man who comes seeking answers. Like he'd been trained in the law. He would have like memorized many of the traditions of his father, many of the Old Testament passages. Like He would have known those from from being a, a young child. He's now a member of the Jewish ruling council, so he's, if you can think of it like this, he's climbed the ladder of success and he's achieved position. So he has title, he has prestige, he has position. Like if anyone had religion, it would have been Nicodemus. Traditions also tell us that Nicodemus was one of the three richest men in Jerusalem. A popular belief would be that he had everything a person could want. He had money, he had power, he had prestige. But something was missing. He had it all, but there was an emptiness in his life. He had it all, yet he's searching for something. That's what brought him to Jesus, again, under the cover, under the cover of night. Jesus was able to see past the prestige and through the religious ex- exterior. Jesus spoke to him concerning the issue of his heart and, and offered him a relationship that would change his life. Now, obviously, Nicodemus had a dilemma. Like, how could he have all he had, and how could he have achieved all that he achieved and not be satisfied? How could there be this this void in his life? Because that's what Nicodemus is struggling with. It was this lack in his life that motivated him to seek out Jesus. It was this search for answers that brought him to this encounter with Jesus. And what we learn from this story of, of Nicodemus, several statements there in your notes. First, he was a religious man. He was He was a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin. The Pharisees, if you're not familiar with that term, they were a group of Jews who, who were diligent in keeping the letter of the law. And, and they often, if you read through the Gospels, it was the Pharisees that often opposed Jesus. If you can think of it like this, they were the rule keepers and the rule enforcers. Who were the Pharisees? They were enforcing the law. They were, they were directing people as, as it related to the law. Nicodemus was also a respected man. He was a, a leader and a ruler of the Jews. Like everyone would have looked up to him. He had position. He had, again, he had climbed the ladder. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was, uh, was like the lower courts. Under the Roman authority and the Roman rule, they allowed the Jews, the Jews to some degree to self-rule. And so it would have been the Sanhedrin that was responsible for judging according to uh, everything in relation to the law and to religion. So anyone who held this position to be a member of the Sanhedrin would have been a respected individual. 
But even though Nicodemus, what's interesting in the story, had all of this, he was still a restless man. But he came to Jesus searching for answers. He was unsettled in his life. All that he had achieved was not enough to satisfy the longing of the soul. Certainly he had religion. He had lots of religion. But it left him searching. He was looking for real answers. He was looking for like real truth. But also we see in this story, in his pursuit for real answers and, and truth that really mattered in his life, we also discover he was a reluctant man. He had questions. Like, how can an old man change? So at this point, Nicodemus would have probably been in his late 50s, maybe early 60s. Like, how can an old man change? As Nicodemus approaches Jesus, he speaks of the fact that he knows he's a teacher who's come from God. He acknowledges the miracles that Jesus performed. It's, it's like he's trying to piece together all of these details. He's trying to make sense of all of this. And then Jesus goes right past all of the religion and the issues of all to the bottom line. Notice again in verse 3, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they come to a point, a place of salvation. Now Nicodemus is challenged by this concept, like he, he can't analytically get his mind around this concept of born again. There's this inter, internal struggle that's, that's happening. His question to Jesus was like, how can an old man be born again? Like, how, how can he, like, can I enter a second time in my mother's womb? Like, how, how would that even be possible? So he's not rejecting what Jesus is saying. He's just struggling. He's struggling with this idea of, of relationship. He's struggling with this idea of, of being born again. And what I appreciate about this encounter with Jesus is that Jesus allowed Nicodemus to ask questions. Jesus embraced Nicodemus in his struggle, in his search for like real answers and, and real truth. It's not like Jesus condemns Nicodemus. It's not like Jesus attacked Nicodemus. Actually, Jesus met him where he was. And I think that's what Jesus does today. What He meets people where they're at to bring them into a greater experience in life, to bring them to, to life. Now, so Jesus allowed Nicodemus to process through his struggles. For Nicodemus, his mind and life had been shaped by religion. I mean, he had grown up in religion. All he knew was, was religion. So this moving from religion to relationship was, was the struggle that Nicodemus was having. He was seeking, but he had some walls. He had some wrong thinking that he had to move beyond. And so he's, he, he's in this dilemma, this place of dilemma. But what we discover in this late night encounter is that Nicodemus expressed a kind of faith, but it was not a true saving faith. It was a faith in the law. It was a faith in what he could do to keep the law. See, I'm quite confident this morning that Nicodemus was a good rule keeper. To the best of his ability, he followed the law and he tried to fulfill all of its requirements, like to the last detail. But here's the problem. Here's the problem for Nicodemus. The law's perfect and Nicodemus was not. And that's the problem for you and I. The law's perfect and we're not. Just as Nicodemus didn't have the ability to completely fulfill the requirements of the law, so you and I don't have the ability we, we can't keep the law. So the problem's not with the law. The problem's with, with us, right? 
The problem is that like our, our faulty nature, our human depravity. Jesus didn't come to add to the law or correct the law. He came because the law is perfect and we're not. He came to open the way that we as flawed, failure-prone, faulty human beings might have the privilege and the opportunity of relationship with God. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says, God made him, being Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That the righteousness of Christ would be credited to our account. So in this encounter, Jesus saw past the religious exterior and he identified the need of the heart. I'm telling you, the need that Nicodemus had is the need that every one of us have in the room today. Jesus went right to the issue of the heart. Jesus blew up this, this whole system that Nicodemus had built his life on, being keeping the law. As Jesus spoke of being born again, he was not speaking of a physical birth, he was speaking of a spiritual birth. It's not like Nicodemus needed to enter a second time into his mother's womb. Like That would not be possible. And that was not his greatest need. His greatest need was to be spiritually born again. You know, the Apostle Paul picks up this need we all have in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Listen to what he, he wrote there. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be born again. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified as with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So just as the need for Nicodemus was the issue of the heart, so it is for each of us today. Listen, it's not religion that saves us. It's not information that saves us. It's not acts of charity that, that saves us. It's believing in our heart that Jesus is Lord and receiving Jesus as our Savior. Like Nicodemus, this is what we all need. We all need spiritual birth. We all need to be born again. But Nicodemus, as, as revealed in this story, Nicodemus was confused by Jesus' talk about this, this spiritual rebirth. It was like he could not get his mind around the second birth. Like, how could that be possible? Nicodemus here, is, he's, he's stuck in the, limitation, the limitations of his own understanding. He's stuck in his religious thoughts. In verse 4, Nicodemus asks, how can a man be born when he's old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Even though Nicodemus was confused, in reality, Jesus here was presenting a simple spiritual principle. And here it is, we have a choice. We can be born once and die twice, or we can be born twice and die once. It's an important principle. Let me say it again. We can be born once and die twice, or we can be born twice and die once. And we can be physically born from our mother's womb and choose to re reject Jesus as our Savior. If someone makes that choice, if someone chooses to reject Jesus and, and the offer of salvation, then not only will they come to physical death, because like we all die, but they will also suffer a greater death being this, a spiritual death. They'll experience two deaths, physical and spiritual but there's a better choice, and it's the choice that Jesus offered Nicodemus. We can be physically born from our mother's womb and choose to accept Christ's provision of salvation and be spiritually born again. We will experience two births, but only one death. 
being the reality of our bodies wearing out. When we take our last breath here, we'll be present with Jesus. So if you choose Jesus as your Savior, you will experience again two births, physically and spiritually, but only one death. You'll be, etern- you'll be eternally alive with Jesus forever. But as it was for Nicodemus, so it is for everyone here this morning. So it is for everyone watching online. We all have a choice to make. Choice to make. Will you accept Jesus or reject Jesus? It was just as Nicodemus had this choice to make in this encounter with Jesus, so, so each of us today, we have this choice before us. So I would challenge you to a few things as I wrap this up. The first is I would, choose you to, I would challenge you to choose to go to Jesus in your dark night. And Nicodemus came in the dark of night. But I think that's only a picture of the reality of what was happening in his life. There was a darkness in his soul. He was in a dark time. That's why he was searching. Listen, if religion had been enough, if the law had been enough, Nicodemus wouldn't have been seeking out Jesus. But there was a darkness in his soul that brought him to this encounter. So in the dark place of your life, in that place of searching and seeking for answers, I would challenge you, do what Nicodemus did. Find Jesus. Seek Jesus. So choose to go to Jesus in your, in your dark night. Choose to understand that Jesus sees past your behavior and into your heart. Again, that's what Jesus did to Nicodemus, right? I mean, Nicodemus comes you know, with all these statements. I know you must, you're a great teacher. You must be from God. You're doing all these miracles. And Jesus goes right to the heart. Right to the issue of the heart. And Nicodemus, you must be born again. Like This is like the only way to life. Eternal life, abundant life, you must be born again. Listen, it really doesn't matter how bad you've been or how good you've been. Two ends of the spectrum, right? Some of you might say, well, I'm a really good person. Listen, you can be a really good person and not be saved. It doesn't matter how good you've been or, or, or how bad you've been. It's not religion that saves us. It's accepting Jesus Christ and his provision that saves us. It really comes down to an issue of the heart. You know, I think it's actually possible to miss heaven by a foot. A foot, 12 inches. Wouldn't that be horrible? You miss heaven by a foot? You get so close. If you watch the, uh, the Baylor-Oklahoma State game yesterday, <laughs> Oklahoma State missed it by about six inches. It, it could have turned the game. Devastating. Listen, there's a greater devastation, and, and, and the potential is this. You miss heaven by a foot, and the foot is the distance from your head to your heart. Salvation's not about information. It's not about religion. It's not about all of the facts that you can hold in your head. It's about your heart. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He went right to the issue of the heart. He says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. For what you're seeking and the answers you want and the life that you're looking for, you've had money, you've got stuff, you've got title, you've got prestige. What you don't have is you don't have the life that you want and it's an issue of the heart. And Jesus looks past your behavior and he looks to your heart. See, we need, to, we need to choose to acknowledge that Jesus knows what we need better than ourselves. 
He knows your greatest need. He knew Nicodemus' greatest need. That's why, again, Jesus didn't get caught up in this side conversation. He went right to what Nicodemus needed. He said, you need to be born again. To acknowledge that, that Jesus knows what we need better than ourselves. You know, there's a reason that as a parent or a grandparent that you just don't allow your kids to have all the candy they want all the time they want it. Right? You, you consistently prepare meals that are well-balanced, vegetables and all this food that's good for them. There's a reason you don't allow them to have all the candy they want anytime they want it because you know what's best for them. You are the one who gave them life, right? More than once my dad said, hey, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. Listen, you gave them life, right? You brought them into the world and you know what's best for them. Listen, that's why. You prepare these meals for them. You don't let them just have all the sugar they want. Listen, the God who created you, your maker, knows what you need. He knows what's best for you. Jesus knew what was best for Nicodemus. Again, that's why he went right to the issue of the heart. Listen, the greatest need that Nicodemus had is the greatest need we have, and it's to be born again. It's to be made spiritually alive. So for each individual here today, for each individual watching online, I would challenge you to choose relationship with Jesus over your empty religious activities for him. Listen, just going to a church, so important that you hear this morning, hear this this morning, just going to a church, doing a religious activity will not save you. Going to a church will not make you a Christian any more than going to a chicken pen will make you a chicken. Right? So the church can't save you. Becoming a member of an institution can't save you. I'm sorry. Just doing religious activities like reading your Bible. Well, I checked that off the list. I joined a group. Checked that off the list. Listen, I can't save you. Just doing good works, acts of charity. I'm all for it. I'm all in. But listen, those come as a result of my salvation. Those acts of charity, they will not bring me to salvation. They'll not bring you to salvation. There's only one way to be saved, and that's accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and choosing to follow Him. Like Nicodemus, every one of us must be born again if we want the life that Jesus offers. For that's the bottom line. Now, in this encounter with Nicodemus, Jesus clearly defines the way to life. It's found in verse 16, John chapter 3, verse 16, where Jesus said, For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. Notice, whoever believes in Him, puts their faith in Him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. We come to this life that Jesus offers, not by the way of religion, but by choosing to embrace Jesus' provision. You know, there's a scripture in in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, that I think is a, um, it's one of those scriptures that makes us wrestle a little bit. It's on the screen. Listen to what Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 13. He says, examine yourselves. Examine yourself means take a look inside. A deep look. Heart check, if you will. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. 
is it possible that you've been thinking, man, I, I, everything's good because I'm a good person. And you're not in the faith. Because you've never accepted Christ's provision. You're thinking it's good here. That's what Nicodemus thought. Analytically, he thought, man, look at all of this. And here's the proof that I'm right with God because look how blessed I am. Look at all the stuff I have. But Jesus said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. So examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course... You failed the test. You failed the test. You've not been born again. Today, I want to challenge you to examine yourself, to test yourself. Are you in the faith? Have you been born again? Possibly, you're like Nicodemus. You've gathered a lot of stuff, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe, like Nicodemus, you have prestige and title. But you don't have what brings true life. Maybe like Nicodemus, you have a lot of religion. You've been checking off the boxes. But you've not been born again. So you must, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You know, on April the 15th, 1912, there was a horrific tragedy. The Titanic, a luxury British steamship, Struck an iceberg which put a gaping hole in the side of the ship. Most of you are familiar with that story. As a result, the ship that was thought to be unsinkable began to take on water. And eventually it it sunk. On the Titanic, there were 2,240 passengers. And that horrendous night, over 1,500 passengers lost their lives in the disaster. What's interesting in the story, on the shoreline where rescue was happening from, there was a large board. So to kind of get a mental picture, a large board with lists of names. There were two lists. And at the top of the two lists, there were two words. Saved, lost. Saved would have been the names of individuals who made their way to a lifeboat. Somehow they got to land. They were on the saved list. The lost list would have been the names of over 1,500 people who died in the frigid waters of the Atlantic. Saved, lost. I would submit to you today, it's the same. There's two lists. Saved and lost. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either you have relationship with Christ or you don't. Either you're looking forward to spending eternity with Jesus or eternity separated from Jesus. Listen, there's no in-between. There's no middle ground. There's two lists, saved or lost. But here's the good news. Here's the most exciting news. If you're lost, you don't have to stay lost. Right? If you're lost, you don't have to stay lost. That's what this Christmas season is all about. God so loved the world that he sent his son. To do what? To bring rescue for humanity. To bring rescue for your life. To free us from religion. And to bring us into life-giving relationship. So thinking about your own life this morning. For all of those here present. Or those watching online. Saved. Lost. 
Where would you put yourself today? Think about your life. Examine yourself. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for your love for us. Lord, you knew that we're so messed up. We can't, Lord, we're not good rule keepers. We're good rule breakers. We're not good rule keepers. The reality is the problem with the law is the law is perfect and we're not. That was Nicodemus' challenge, Lord. It's the challenge for every individual here this morning, every individual watching online. What do we need? We need to be born again. Lord, we need two births so that we will only come to one death. And we're grateful that you've made the way, the way of salvation. It's not about our effort. Not about how good we can be. Not about how hard we can try it simply by your grace. You've given us this gift, this gift of life, this gift of salvation. And Lord, as Nicodemus was faced with a choice, so each of us have a choice. Will we accept you or reject you? Will we accept life or will we receive death? Lord, my prayer today, Every individual said they would choose life. With every head bowed and eye closed, for those watching online, I'm going to extend the question to you today Are you saved or lost? I'll tell you this morning the same thing that Jesus said to Nicodemus You must be born again. You must be born again. You want the life that Jesus offers, you must be born again. It's, a, it's as simple as this. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my many sins. You know I've made a mess of my, of my life. Forgive me. I receive your grace today. I receive your salvation. It's my desire to follow you. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, To commit your life to Christ. As you've examined yourself. That's what the scripture says. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself. Maybe you've been following religion. Maybe you've built your life around stuff and thought, well, I'm so blessed. Obviously, I'm right with God. Listen, you're not right with God until you receive Christ as your Savior. So if you're here today and you would say, just an honest assessment of your life, I'm lost but I want to be saved today. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. I'm going to embarrass you. I just want to... Today you say, I want to move from religion to life-giving relationship. I've not made that decision. Is there anyone? I would ask the same question for those watching online. You can simply respond... I want to make a decision today. Someone will follow up with you as you receive Christ as your Savior. Lord, I thank you this morning for the life that you've given us. For the hope that we have and the peace that we get to process life with because of the presence of Jesus. Lord, as those who have received hope and as those who live with peace, now, now may we carry your hope and your peace to a world that's desperate to know you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, 
Visit us at gracecovenant.org.